Hello everybody and welcome to JTV. Today I'm excited to be joined by Dov Foreman. Uh, Dov and his great-grandmother Lily Ebert, who is an Auschwitz survivor, Hungarian-born Auschwitz survivor who moved to the UK after the war, uh, they rose to prominence and I'm sure their names are probably familiar to many of you watching. Uh, they rose to prominence over the last year or two um, as Dov decided to document uh, his grandma's, his great grandma's story uh, in a book that he, he wrote um, where his great grandmother basically told him the whole story and he, and he sort of wrote it out and uh, got it published and he also took the initiative of featuring his, creating a TikTok account and featuring his great grandmother on TikTok and to an unbelievable degree he has been so successful uh, reaching over a million uh, followers. He hit that milestone, I think it was a couple of months ago, and they've been just reaching the most incredible amount of people and followers, and it's quite a unique thing that he's done. It's amazing, the, and the amount of attention that Dov and his great-grandmother have received as a result of their joint uh, mission and journey together is, is quite remarkable. I know Prince Charles wrote the foreword to the book, um, and there's also been many prominent people in throughout the media, um, the prime minister in this country, people in America. I saw Dov and his great grandmother on the on several TV shows in America, including The View, which is an incredibly uh, popular and mainstream program. And it really is just a remarkable story of an 18-year-old boy who was actually younger when when this started, deciding to take some initiative. And remember this. This, this all began without all the attention and, and media to excite someone, excite a young person to do this. But he decided that he wanted to take the initiative of propagating Holocaust education, education and his great-grandmother's story to his generation. And I resonate so much with, with um, this story and Dov's done it to a far, far greater degree than many other people have in the world of education and Jewish education and, and Holocaust education because he's adapted to the modern world and the environments that young people are in. And it's just so phenomenal. And I even, I know, uh, you know, we probably can't discuss this, but Dov told me just uh, a few days ago that he's been speaking to people even like Steven Spielberg that have taken an interest in not, I think, not just his great grandmother's story, but the story of a great, a, a great grandson. Of a, of, a, of a survivor having this special uh, relationship and special journey with his great-grandmother. Dov, I, I want to start by just saying just a massive kolakavod, a massive well done to you for taking the initiative and doing this before you had all the attention of the world and I know you've now, you know, this, this story has really risen to prominence in, into the public eye, um, but you did it before that happened and you're continuing to do it. And so I just want to first of all just say to you a massive well done. I'm sorry for the long intro, but I'm just so uh, in awe of, of what you've really done. Um, I, I, and I, I thought, you know, we could have got on at your great grandmother as well as you, but I, I thought it'd be interesting. You know, there's been a lot of interviews that you've done with her. And I'd actually just like to sit down with you and talk to you about your personal journey and what it was that motivated you and who you are and what it's like for you as an 18 year old guy to you know experience the 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 media spotlight and the, the, such a global spotlight at such a young age so Dov do you want to start off by telling our audience just a bit about who you are 
what your you know what what is your background and what were the sort of steps that led you to want to ignite this journey with your great grandmother uh, well firstly thank you very much Ollie, for for the introduction and also for all your kind words and for inviting me on to speak today on JTV um, it's quite unique as you say that I get to do an interview uh, by myself without my great grandmother I'm incredibly honored to be able to share a platform with her and to be able to speak alongside her but I also think it's very important for other young people to realize that they can also make a change in the world and I think the story of of the work that me and my great grandmother have done together over the past few years can help inspire many other people across the world to do that. Um, I think it's very important always to learn the background about someone and how how that got them to do and be where they are. So for me, I am a 18 year old Jew living in London. I'm currently studying my A-levels. I'm studying history, economics and modern Hebrew for A-level. Um, and, and I would like to study history in university. I have I come from a religious family, uh, modern Orthodox Zionist family. Um, I'm the youngest of three children. And my Jewish identity has always been very strong. It's been uh, ingrained in me from a young age, Holocaust education, learning about my great grandmother's story and standing up for the Jewish people, but not only Jewish people, for people all over the world, for standing up to injustice, intolerance and, and indifference wherever I see it. And I think especially now when we see all that's going on in Ukraine, I think um, as, as a, a Jewish person who has always been taught to, to try and, and make the world a better place and to fight for, for tolerance and peace, I think, um, it, it really that that message that I was taught at a young age really resonates with me, and and I hope that many other young people are being taught that too. I, uh, as I said, the Holocaust education was ingrained in me from from a very young age. Not only because my great grandmother was an Auschwitz survivor, but also because I went to Jewish primary school, and I was very lucky that when I was growing up, unlike probably the next generation, when I was growing up, many Holocaust survivors used to come every week to talk. They would come on Holocaust Memorial Day, but even just in our in our history lessons when we would learn about both Jewish history and world history. And I think it's incredibly important because as the Nobel laureate and Auschwitz survivor, Elie Wiesel says, when you listen to a witness, you become a witness. And at a young age, I realized that I am a witness to these people. I will soon, when I was younger, I realized that I will soon bear responsibility for them. And it will become my responsibility to share their testimonies because my great grandmother, who I, who I usually sit beside to share her story is 98. And most of the other camp survivors are not much younger. In the past year, 15,000 Holocaust survivors died across the world, and there's only 500, around 500 Holocaust camp survivors left in the UK. So it's incredibly important that we share these messages. So I think it was always, as I said, ingrained in me to, to do this, but I never really started sharing her, my great-grandmother's testimony in particular until the lockdown. And what, I mean, do you, do you remember the first time you really sort of understood and became aware and it left an impression on you what your great-grandmother had experienced. Do you have any particular early memories of that? I, I do. I do have one memory that sticks out in particular. As I said, I, I knew that my great-grandmother was a Holocaust survivor all my life, but I didn't really know the facts. It was a label for me. It didn't really mean anything. I didn't realise that she was in Auschwitz. I knew that she was an Auschwitz survivor, but I didn't really put the two together and I didn't understand what that meant. And the moment that really resonates to me and sticks out in my mind is the moment when I realized that she was there. She was in the place where 1.1 million people were gassed and cremated during the Holocaust, Auschwitz-Birkenau. She was in that hell, was on a Friday night. And my great-grandmother often made it a point not to talk about the Holocaust on Shabbat because for her, Shabbat was a happy time to be with the family. And so she didn't want to make us, I, I guess, traumatized, but also ruin that family environment on Shabbat by talking about the Holocaust. But my friend who was the year above me in school 
had had just started learning about the Holocaust and he came around for Friday night dinner. I think I was about in year five or year six. So he would have either been in year seven or six and, and he started learning more details about the Holocaust. And he said to my great grandmother, he said, I know you're a Holocaust survivor. I know you were in Auschwitz. So do you have a tattoo? And if so, can I see it? And in my family, that was a taboo. We would have never asked to see her tattoo. I had never seen it until that moment. And I remember her slowly lifting up her left sleeve and showing him the tattoo. And she said to him these exact words. She said, I was A10572. I was a number. I was no longer Lily Abbott. I was no longer a person. And that moment sticks in my mind as the moment when I really realized that she was there. And the Auschwitz tattoo, which most people in the UK or even across the world will never see, they'll never even meet a Holocaust survivor, let alone be able to see that number. It's a permanent reminder of the Nazis' crimes against humanity. She can't just wipe away that tattoo, it's there forever. But for her, it's not actually a sign of, of pain and suffering. For her, it's a sign of, of, of overcoming, that, overcoming that moment and building a family of 10 grandchildren, now 35 great-grandchildren. And the fact that I'm able to sit alongside her, I've co-written her book with her, and we, we reach millions of people every day with her story, I think that's, as she often says to me, the ultimate sign that the Nazis didn't win. People often say to her, why didn't you remove that tattoo? And she says it's because she wants people to know that she was there. She's a witness to the, to the most terrible crime against humanity ever. And she never wants people to ever forget. And so that, that tattoo is, is it's living memory. And that's, that's why we're, we're so honored to live in a generation where we can meet these survivors and hear from them firsthand. And so after that moment where she sort of showed her tattoo to your friend, was that what triggered you starting to prod her more and ask more questions? Do you remember when you really started to, what age you were when you really started to go more, more in depth with her? So ever since that moment, I'd always wanted to learn more. I began realizing that I could ask questions and she would be happy to answer them. It's always been easier for her to speak to my generation, the great grandchildren and younger children, not too young, but, but rather than adults and my mum's generation and my grandma's generation, because for them, it was just too close. It was too close to the subject. Whereas for me, it was much easier. So from that moment, I started prodding her and wanting to learn more. But it really wasn't until 2020, until the first lockdown, when I wasn't able to see my great grandmother for two months that I realized firstly how special she was. Secondly, that at the similar age to me, she was stripped of her identity. The Nazis came, they took her away from her house first into the ghettos and then to the hell of Auschwitz-Birkenau. And also that these are the last moments. It was the lockdown that made me realize that Holocaust survivors who I've been privileged to hear from in my school are no longer able to go to schools or workplaces or universities. So at that moment, I realized I should start recording her with my phone getting videos and, and voice recordings of her talking so that in future years I could play them. Even at that point, I just thought maybe even to just my children, but that quickly changed and it's now sharing her story with millions across the world. But it was during the lockdown that I started doing that. So that's what I wanted to talk about next. So you started sharing videos of her and taking questions from people on, on TikTok. How did um, you sort of start growing the TikTok account? and you know get it going and at what point did you realize this is really exploding going viral so we actually started on twitter um in july 2020 i posted my first or one of my first tweets and that was about a german banknote a banknote which an unnamed liberator an american jewish soldier had given to my great grandmother upon liberation from the death march and he had written 10 words on it 10 words of hope the start to a new life good luck and happiness he didn't write his name, so we had no hope of really finding him. Um, but he wrote his position in the army, assistant to Chaplain Schachter. And when my great-grandmother showed me this note just after the first lockdown had ended, 
it really resonated with me. And, and I realized that I had never actually been taught about the kindness of the liberators and the work that they did to bring the survivors back to humanity and give them hope after liberation. And so I decided that I would post this banknote on Twitter, not really with any hopes of finding the soldier, but maybe someone would be able to give us some more information about the banknotes and things like that. And I remember joking with my great grandmother that I would be able to find the soldier using social media within 24 hours. I didn't believe it, but I posted it on, on, on Twitter on the Sunday morning. And within eight hours, the tweet had two million views and we managed to find the soldier not long after that. And we then, unfortunately, the soldier died um, a few years before, but we were able to connect with his family, his son, and, and it was really a very special moment. And, it, and that's the moment when I realized that social media can and will provide a platform for not only Holocaust education, but for education of all kinds. And from there, it continued to snowball. We continued to make new discoveries and also reach thousands of people on Twitter with her story. And then I saw people going viral on TikTok for dancing, eating foods, doing silly things really. And I said to my great grandmother, why don't we start a TikTok account? And I showed her a few videos. She said, I'll do it, but I won't dance. <laughs> so we, we try and keep to that still, we, we, we don't dance, but we do share her story. And, and the first video we posted was of me and my great grandmother in the snow. And the first video got 400,000 views very quickly. So very, very soon after I posted that first video, I wanted to continue posting. And at first we didn't get many views, but I continued and within a few weeks, I realized that if you have something important to share on social media and you do it in the right way, in an engaging and effective way, people will listen. And, and very soon, hundreds of thousands and now millions of people are listening. And so we're now just about to hit 2 million followers. So I think it's really incredible. And I hope that it's shown other people across the world, young people, my generation, that yes, we have to be wary of the dangers of social media. Hate spreads so easily, but love and important and positive messages can do. And it's up to us. It's not up to people who, it's not up to other people. It's not up to the adults. It's up to us to build a better space on social media, a space where you can educate. Because at the end of the day, the young people are going to be the ones who, who are going to be living in the future world. And if we want to build a better world for ourselves, we have to start doing that, not only in person, but also on social media where there's so much hatred. Absolutely. And, and what's the experience been like for you? I mean, it really started even before you were 18, but to have to experience such major publicity, to be going on such major um, TV shows in, you know, I think like Good Morning Britain and The View in America, and um, also to be meeting such high profile people, Prince Charles, prime ministers, uh, people of importance in the world of, uh, you know, uh, TV. So what's that experience been like for you? And have you, do you feel naturally comfortable sort of being somewhat in the public eye? It's a very good question um, and one which no one can really ever prepare you for. Um, the First of all, social media is a very addictive tool and so you often have to, to try and balance that regardless of whether you're on the media or not. If you go viral, even if you're just viral for once or you have an account with millions of followers, it's very hard to manage and, and I'm lucky that I've throughout this process been able to manage that with a good support network around me. As I said, there's a lot of hatred on social media and at times that hatred can be directed towards me as a young Jewish person, because people always resent the fact that a young Jewish person has a platform to educate about Jewish values, but also about the Holocaust. So, so I'm very lucky to have had a support network around me. In terms of media and, and meeting with these high profile and important people, I, again, I'm very lucky that I feel quite comfortable to talk to these people. I, I, I like meeting new people. I like sharing my message and, and, and the work that me and my great grandmother do. And I kind of, a lot of people in reading Lily's Promise, the book that we wrote together, 
say that me and my great grandmother are very similar. And my great grandmother is a very confident person. She loves going out in the world, meeting people, sharing her story. And I feel very similar to her. I love going out and meeting people, especially people like the prime minister and people with Prince Charles who have incredible influence. And when they help to share our story, Prince Charles, we're so honored and humbled to have his forwards for Lily's Promise. When they help to share this story, I think it reassures not only Jewish people, but people across the world that they will not allow something like the Holocaust to ever be forgotten, but also to ever be repeated. And I think that's what's what's even more important, that we have Jewish and non-Jewish allies in all different communities and in, in, in all different walks of life and, and, and statuses, whether they're one follower or one million followers on Twitter, that doesn't matter to me. The support we get from everyone is, is incredible and we really appreciate it so much. And I'm so happy that, that we are being recognised by, by very important people and especially that they're hearing my great-grandmother's story. And how, for you personally, in this you know, shift in uh, experience that you've had over the last uh, year or so, how have your family, friends, teachers reacted? <laughs> it, it's, it, everyone's been very supportive, um, my friends especially. Um, it, it's very hard to balance school and, and all the media appearance, appearances and also the meetings and, and writing the book. It's very hard to manage and my friends have been very supportive, collecting work from me that I've missed in school or catching me up on things. Um, or even just just being there if I need to talk about something or, or looking over an article that I've written for them to give a second opinion. Um, and that's the same with my family and my teachers. Everyone's been very supportive. Um, but of course, it's very unusual for at the time I was 16 when I started this and now I'm 18. And I think it's very unusual for, for someone of my age to be doing something on this scale, but also of this kind. Um, Holocaust education is usually is, is usually left to historians who have um, doctorates and PhDs, so people who are much older. Um, so I think it's it's very unusual for someone of my age, still a teenager, to be doing this. But the, the support, again, that I've had is, is just overwhelming. And I never thought when I started that we would get that support. Because, again, you only hear really stories a lot of the time as, as a young Jewish person in Britain, especially. You hear a lot of stories about anti-Semitism. And rightly so, we're publicising these stories. But I think we also need to show that people are there to support us. We have incredible support networks, both from Jewish and non-Jewish communities. And, and we're so lucky to be able to have that. Well, I must say you seem incredibly balanced and uh, modest and level-headed in the way you've uh, approached all this, and it's really remarkable. So, um, seriously, uh, um Let's talk a bit about other survivors. I wanted to ask whether you'd considered actually teaching or talking to the descendants of other survivors who are still alive and maybe sharing with them some of the um tools or experiences that you've learned because what you've done is such a brilliant educational tool where you're just sharing i mean so much of the work of holocaust education is just to make people aware of what actually happened and you're getting onto the environment that so many young people are in and have just had the most tremendous success and i wonder whether you've thought about um just reaching out to other uh, descendants of survivors and talking to them I have. And as a young person, I think I'm in a position of privilege that I can understand what other young people would want to hear. Um, I think uh, a, not a problem with Holocaust education, but the fact that it's often older people doing it. And this is not a problem at all. Holocaust education has been going on for many years, not only in the UK, but throughout the world. And it's been extremely effective. But I think it's also time to move on other forms. And that's not to say that that we shouldn't be educating in schools. We should. But I think it's also very important to create new, engaging and effective ways of social media, of, of Holocaust education on social media, because we need to be targeting the areas where the youngest people are. 
we can't expect them to come to to want to hear an hour-long lecture by a survivor. I think we have to go onto TikTok where they are and share 30-second clips with them. Because there was a recent study, um, I think it was by The Guardian, that showed that almost 50% of teenagers in the US didn't e don't even know what Auschwitz was. And it's so saddening to hear that. But the only way to combat that is to go onto platforms where those teenagers are and share the, the basic facts of what Auschwitz was and what the Holocaust was. And that's why TikTok and Twitter is so important. And back to your question, I have been speaking to many descendants of Holocaust survivors throughout the whole world, including governments. I worked with the Department of Education and also the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Israel and other governments across the world to develop educational tools and resources and packs to show other people how to do this. Because this isn't about me or my great grandmother being famous. This is about sharing a mission and sharing a message of, of as you say, Holocaust awareness, but also that if we want to build a better world, we have to do it ourselves. We can't expect it to just happen. And if we forget the past, we are doomed to repeat it. So the only way to learn and to build a better world is, is to, to build on the experiences of others and to build on things that we can learn from the past. And unfortunately, we see time and time again, mistakes from the past being repeated. But we hope that through awareness and through education, we'll be able to stop that and we'll, we'll be able to teach people the signs to look out for. And just one more point, the Holocaust did not start with the final solution. It didn't start with the gas chambers of Auschwitz-Birkenau. It started with words. So if we teach young people that wherever they see the, those words, hate, hateful words in society, no matter who they're directed at, if we teach young people to stand up and to say that's not okay, not to be bystanders, but to be upstanders, to say this isn't okay and we're going to do something about it, then I think that would be, that would be our mission fulfilled, that, that people, we will have made a difference because people will have learned and hopefully something like the Holocaust will not be able to happen again. And one thing also that I would add as well is that by what's brilliant about TikTok and making short videos is it's so easy to watch, it's quick, and young people are, with their busy lives and many things competing for their attention, they're able to look at that. But at the same time, once you've got their attention, then they may be more into or interested in looking at something a little bit longer, as you said, like a one hour lecture or a book or whatever it is. And that's very much my philosophy when it comes to uh, creating content that you should, you know, you, there can be a room for both. Um, and one can often lead to the other. Shorts can often lead to longer. Um, I, but I do want to talk about the longer form content in a way, which is the book, because it's one thing for a young person to be making videos but, and short videos on your phone, but it's another thing to have written out um, a book. I believe it was narrated uh, by your great-grandmother. What sort of initiated this? How long did it take to do? I mean, it's a, it's a remarkable feat that you've achieved. Thank you. It's, um, the, the book took about a year to write. And the book is called Lily's Promise, How I Survived Auschwitz and Found the Strength to Live. And, and me and my great-grandmother um, are co-authors. And the book is very unique for a number of factors, not only because it's one of the only books in the world that's co-written by great-grandmother and great-grandson, um, who, we're, we, as it happens, we're exactly 80 years apart. Um, so I think it's very unique in that sense, but also because it offers a gendered approach to the Holocaust. My great-grandmother was a woman in the Holocaust, but she was 20 years old. She was an adult. She, it, it's very unique that you get Holocaust survivors who are still able, who are still alive even, but also still able to talk who are adults in the camp. Um, my great grandmother remembers nearly everything. And when we were interviewing her for the book, the level of detail that she was able to provide, to provide and, and then we were able to back up with various documents was incredible. Getting dates to the exact, getting dates right and Hebrew dates right and, and, and things that you wouldn't expect even yourself to remember from five years ago that she remembered from 77 years ago is, is just incredible. 
And again, it's unique because it's it's kind of goes all the way up to modern day. Most Holocaust survivor memoirs finished just after liberation. But what was very important for us was to show how my great grandmother rebuilt her life and how she carried on. And the book is was narrated, as you say, by my great grandmother. It starts off with an, a forward by His Royal Highness, the Prince of Wales, Prince Charles. It then has an introduction from me about how I got involved in this story and started using social media. It's then my great grandmother's story all the way up to about liberation, where I then come in again and speak about the banknotes and how we found the soldier who liberated her. Um, I then also speak about in that in that chapter, I speak about contemporary anti-Semitism, because at that point in the book, my great grandmother, when she was liberated, kind of speaks about how she hoped that anti-Semitism would go away with the Holocaust. Unfortunately, we know that's not the truth. Anti-Semitism in the UK last last year in one month rose by 500 percent. And I, I think many people across the world don't know that. They don't know that anti-Jewish racism still exists. They think it's finished with the Holocaust. That's not true. So I thought it was very important to include that in the book. And we did. So it, it, we speak about contemporary anti-Semitism and then again about the banknote and the soldier. And then goes back to my great grandmother all the way up to her 97th birthday, um, at which point I come back in to give an outro and just speak about how also my great grandmother survived coronavirus last January, um, but also the process of writing the book. And the process, we, we had many, many Holocaust museums and historians working with us because for me, it was incredibly important that every single detail in the book was accurate. We're very lucky to have had specifically the support of the Auschwitz Museum, who fact-checked the book entirely to ensure that every fact and date about Auschwitz was correct. And if not, we took it out because we really wanted to make sure that deniers were not able to nitpick certain details and say, this isn't correct. And, and, and unfortunately, there are, there are books out there about the Holocaust, which aren't entirely factually correct. Um, but, but we're not going to focus on that, but we'll focus on, on we, we were very lucky to have the support of Yad Vashem, the Auschwitz Museum and various other museums and historians who helped us not only to, to make sure the details were right, but to back it up with documents. And that's what's most important. And I want to ask also, you know, this is JTV, what, what role does Judaism play for you in your life? And also it, with regard to, you know, how you understand and make sense of what your great grandmother experienced? Um, Judaism plays an incredibly important part of my life. Um, I consider myself to, to be religious. Um, I have, I definitely have faith in God. And a lot of Holocaust survivors, including my great grandmother, asked, how can you have faith in God when something so terrible happens to you and your family? And my great grandmother often answers it very simply with a few words. And she says, this might not be what everyone says. This might not be the truth, but this is what I believe. And she says, the Holocaust was, was, was not done by God. It was by humans. And that's that's what she believes. And she's seen God in her life. She, she's seen incredible miracles in her life. Um, as I said, she has 35 great grandchildren, um, 10 grandchildren. She, she I think, appreciates life more than anyone I've ever met in, in, in my life, at least. Um, and I take my strength and, and I learn from her. And and if someone like her can, can be religious and, and have belief in God, then surely I can. Um, and I think she, she's raised a family and she is the queen of the family where all of her grandchildren and great-grandchildren are religious. Um, and they've all been to Jewish schools, not to say that people who don't go to Jewish schools aren't religious, um, but it's very much a part of all the family. It's Judaism and and religion is, is a big part of our identity. And as I said, also learning about the past, because I think in Judaism, it's very important. Um, we of course have many, many Chagim and festivals where we speak about the past, Purim, which is coming up, Pesach, all of these festivals teach us that in Judaism, we don't forget where our roots are from. And, and I think that's why I, I maybe feel so drawn to Holocaust education, because not only from the aspect that she's my great grandmother and she went through it, but also 
from a religious jurist perspective, I don't want these things to ever be forgotten. Absolutely. And lastly, where, where do you want to go next in your personal life and, and with this journey with your great grandmother? Uh, I'll, I'll answer the, the latter question first. Um, with, with this journey, I, will, I, I hope um, and I hope I'll stand by my words as I say this. I hope for, for as long as I can and for as long as I'm able to, I will continue to share a story even when my great grandmother is no longer here with us, even maybe if we move away from social media, I hope that I will always continue to share her story for as long as I can, um, no matter in what form it is. And the book has now been translated into around 10 languages. It's coming out in many more across the world. It's a, a bestseller, international bestseller. It's coming out in America in May. Um, and that's not trying me to trying to brag, but it's just me trying to show people how you can have an impact on the world, no matter how old you are. And also no matter what it is, a lot of people say that people are fed up of Holocaust education. There are thousands of memoirs already. People said your memoir won't, won't, no one will want to read it. There's thousands already. Why would they want to read yours? And I think we've proven people wrong that no matter what age you are, no matter who you are, again, no matter what community you're from, you can make a difference. And I hope that we'll be able to convert Lily's Promise maybe into a movie or a documentary so that even more people will have access to it. Because as you can see, that's always my aim to, to, to make sure that her story and, and all Holocaust education is accessible to all, no matter if you can read, write, watch, listen. Um, so that's why I try and do as many interviews and get the book out and story out as much as possible. Um, where I want to go next to my personal journey is a, is a good question. I think first I've got to focus on my A-levels and try and get those finished um, and finish school and then we'll see what happens in the future. As I said, I would love to continue to study history, um, but yeah, we'll see. And uh, are you considering a year off, doing a gap year? I am considering doing a gap year next year, probably going to Yeshiva. Um, but again, we'll see what the future holds for me. Brilliant. Dov, thank you so much for your time. You're a complete inspiration, as is your great grandmother and the, the duo, you, the two of you together. Just it's uh, you, you guys are unstoppable. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for showing us your uh, personal journey as well and how it's been from your perspective and I just want to wish you all the best for the future for the work you do and for your own life as you continue to go forward and make your mark on the world thank you very much it was an honor to join you today